We recording? Yeah, we're, we're recording. Okay, excellent. Welcome everybody to The Whole Rabbit, where we investigate not just the paws, or the ears, or the funny buck teeth, or the cottontail, or the... We're investigating The Whole Rabbit. So this is a podcast about spirituality, magic, the occult, and how it intersects with popular culture. I guess you could say that this show is about Fnord hunting, but we'll get into that in a minute. I'm Luke Madrid. I guess I'm your host. I have my uh, producer, Andrew, here. Yo. He seems to be pretty good at doing all the technical stuff, so that, I guess that makes him the producer. And I'm a good talking head, so I guess that makes me the host. The show premise is about Fnord hunting. Well, what is a Fnord? Uh, Fnord is a, t- a terminology that was coined in the Principa Discordia, um, and according to Wikipedia, by Carrie Thornley and Greg Hill. My connection to Principa Discordia and Discordianism is through Robert Anton Wilson. In the Illuminatus trilogy by Robert uh, Shea and Robert Anton Wilson, uh, these novels interject Fnord. Uh, the interjection of Fnord is given an hypnotic power over the unenlightened, and children in grade school are taught to be unable to consciously see the word Fnord. For the rest of their lives, every appearance of the word subconsciously generates a feeling of unease and confusion and prevents rational consideration of the text in which it appears. Well, friends and family, that is precisely what the whole rabbit aims to investigate. Arf Nords. Things that have been injected into literature, media, entertainment that has a subconscious effect that generates feelings of unease, confusion, or maybe even intrigue and enchantment. I guess so to begin, the most logical place to begin is uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I remember going on Netflix, and I don't know if it's still there, but even if it's not, it's worth going and seeking out. There's a documentary on Netflix called Room 237, and it's an in-depth documentary that explores the idea that Stanley Kubrick's The Shining is not really so much about a family that gets haunted by ghosts in a hotel. It's more about the ghost haunting the zeitgeist, about the spirit of genocide embedded in imperialism, how these cycles repeat almost as if they are ghosts or ghouls feeding on the life force or the lives of humans which of course is fucking deep (laughs) probably a bit over my pay grade but um when i saw some things in that documentary holy shit it it blew the doors off something that needed to be blown off i i guess for years andrew we had been watching conspiracy videos on youtube that would investigate the hidden messages and meanings and movies and stuff and it was always very compelling right yeah those things can affect your mind if you're not careful <laughs> yeah it's like a drug you know y- yeah it's Watch kind it. of like a crack drug you know like you just want more <laughs> and uh, i've heard plenty of people say on these conspiracy podcasts that you know when you're done watching one video which i hardly would ever get to the end of these things but if you ever did it would introduce another video for you to watch and I, but man by the end of those videos they reiterate the same point so many times it's pretty much brainwashing you can tell by most of them it's like just drop your crucifix bro fucking <laughs> are like, like the reptiles man like, i don't know um well what i really like about those videos is they never explain 
what exactly is going on. They just tell you who's doing it. Yes, they follow <laughs> this evil thing. Yeah, this evil evil thing being done by these people that I dislike. <laughs> so you just feel like kind of terrified and worried afterwards. I guess I guess for a while I had basically thought that, okay, if I'm seeing hidden messages in movies, if I'm seeing hidden meaning in movies, it's just my crazy ass. I'm just seeing it. Like, I'm not, it's not because they put it in there. It's because I'm seeing it. And then I saw Room 237, which made a pretty compelling case that Stanley Kubrick was a genius that purposefully inserted fnords um, in the context I spoke of them from Wikipedia to induce feelings of subconscious horror and terror in the audience and to um, also send a very deep and heavy message to the, I guess, initiated or the people that could see those fnords. And that is what The Shining means when you have Doc Halloran breaking down to Doc what The Shining is. He basically says there's some people who can sense stuff and some people who just don't see it. And he explained it like uh, how when you burn toast, there's an aura of burntness in the house that, you know, when you walk in, you just know that some toast has been burnt. And that's how he sort of explains The Shining. And he senses that the young, did I mix up their names? He calls, he calls, I forget what his name is. He calls the young kid Doc, his nickname. Anyway, he can tell that. The, the black janitor character? Yeah, the black, the, the mystic the black ground, man. Ground, groundskeeper, that's what he was. Um, as Spike Lee would call a magic negro where he who basically sets the white protagonist of the story on the right track by telling him what his gifts are and what he needs to do, which is a trope you see a lot in Hollywood movies. And even in that scene uh, where he's explaining to... You can see nine knives hanging over... I think, is it Donnie's head? Oh, man. We got producer Andrew looking it up right now. Um, You see nine knives hanging over the kid's head which in the tarot symbolizes cruelty, also symbolizes um, being awoken in the night by nightmares and being um, bedeviled by okay. difficult so, thoughts and stuff. You know. So Jack plays Jack. Okay. Uh, the little kid is Danny. Little kid's Danny. The... It's Danny, Wendy, um, there's the... Dick. Dick Halloran. Yeah, Dick Halloran. It's not... He's, okay, so it's Doc. So, so Danny Torrance... Danny Torrance has the nickname of Doc, and it's Dick Halloran. Informs him that he has psychic powers in it. All the things in the all the things in the hotel are like pictures in a book and can't hurt him. And you know, to not to not uh, you know, in the words of Alistair Crowley, to not give any sort of philosophical validation to these ghosts. Basically, he gives him the advice. And then the movie, the the, the movie goes on, and uh, you know, on its surface, it's just a story about you know, a haunted hotel, which a family gets, you know, bad stuff happens. But if you listen to what Dick Halloran is saying and you look at the movie from the perspective of there's something hidden going on here. Well, I think the documentary Room 237 makes a compelling case that what Stanley Kubrick did was purposeful, that he he encoded, he encoded occult imagery, symbolism, and cultural imagery and cultural symbolism in ways that were meant to be first realized subconsciously and then later realized consciously by investigating the clues. And when I saw this documentary and I realized that Stanley Kubrick had done this, I thought, 
that's the most amazing, brilliant, wonderful thing in the whole universe. And I'm so happy that I'm aware now that artists can do that and have done that. And that there is material in the world that has hidden meaning that allows us to go deeper. And that just, that's, that's the impetus for what this show is. Um, and so I guess to follow that up, um, after watching that documentary, you really get the impression that there's plenty of people in the film world and in, like, you know, in the film world that knew this and have known this for a long time. And people that are artists in the craft have always been putting hidden meaning and hidden stuff in their movies and stuff. And that's just something that artists have done. And I guess uh, the, the thing that... What stands out from The Shining is if you watch Toy Story... The, the I believe it's the walls or the I think it's maybe the floor in Sid's room or the hallway outside of Sid's room is the same floor pattern that it is in The Shining, which means that the creators of Toy Story were saying Sid Sid yeah Sid you get the hidden message is is that Sid's dad is abusing Sid in the same way that Jack is abusing Danny in The Shining. So there's probably a hidden subtext of sexual molestation or abuse in Toy Story by way of that floor pattern in The Shining. And then, wait, like, I guess we could go into the whole thing where all the Pixar movies are connected. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah, like, what do, you, what do you think about that, Producer Andrew? What, what, are your well, thoughts? what are your thoughts? I would take an obvious standpoint and say they are obviously from the same company. <laughs> this company reuses assets and if you can create a it's very cynical view it's, it's a rather <laughs> cynical view but i'm, I'm gonna have to yeah go for it yeah. occam's razor on this one is uh before any anything else is elaborated on on this point is i view it <laughs> yeah 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 that it's a studio that reuses assets therefore when they make a new movie they just take their old assets and reuse them now like as an artist, I gotta say that's a great thing if you're gonna continue on making new projects. It's just like, oh well, you know that little reference we had in this here. Well, this now it's the big company. We're gonna elaborate on that. So maybe really art. Good. So maybe art's not theft. Maybe it's also recycling. Yes, <laughs> there is no such thing as called uh, cultural appropriation. It's just called art. <laughs> I would tend to somewhat agree with you there. I. I think there's probably some instances of cultural appropriation which stink. Like, like you go to a festival and, this, and the supermodel chick is wearing the native headdress and it's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, all right. You know, I get it. Like leather leather boots with uh, tassels and stuff. I, I don't know. All right, so um, the Pixar movies and how they're connected. Why don't you tell me about them? Because uh, I'm not really familiar with this. Oh, man, well, I guess we watched a three-minute video before doing this um, recording, and I used—I was into this like two or three years ago when I discovered it because it was super awesome, and I was just blown away by that too. But basically, it goes something like, I haven't even seen this movie, but the animals in Brave are enchanted by a witch, and it gives them human-like qualities. These animals go on to breed and become like the animals in um, what Ratatouille and... The fish movie, Nemo, Finding Nemo, which Nemo is a fucking Masonic name of some sort. We'll, we'll go into that at some point, Nemo. Um, but the all the 
like okay so the the animals become conscious um and then they they breed the anthropomorphic animals apparently yeah which become the monsters um who are suffering the energy crisis at the end of the timeline also there's a there's also the plot where um the machines become conscious I think there's something in The Incredibles where there's the implementation of an AI, which you could extrapolate out to be the same AI. Well, given if if that's uh, true, in and, and to your point, that's that's a another Kubrick homage, uh, basically homaging Hal from 2001: Space Odyssey. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there you have it, Fnords. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I'd say if you wanted to, if you wanted to like red pill a kid on magic, at least, I mean, I'm not the biggest, craziest wizard out there, but I've been dabbling for like a decade and I'm pretty darn good at reading people's cards. Uh, I'm pretty good at the tarot. But uh, with that said, I guess putting my credentials out there, if I had to red pill a kid on magic or spirituality, if they were truly curious or even a grown up, I would suggest the movie Inside Out. Um, Inside Out is such a great view of how a lot of spiritual people and occultists and magicians view the psyche as somewhat of a, like a democracy or like a company of different um, unique personalities. Maybe even our organs have their own consciousness. You could think of. like there's all these different component parts that make up who we are and make up the democracy that is us. Um, and I thought that was a pretty esoteric look at the psyche. And that was in Inside Out. That doesn't really fit into the Pixar conspiracy, but I did want to bring it up. But it does bring up the idea that is it is it okay to put hidden messages and subliminal meanings into movies, especially kids' movies? What do you think about that, Andrew? Okay, well, I have a semantic argument, and then I have another argument. So my semantic argument would be that there are no subliminal messages because a message is conveying meaning or something while subliminal means beneath detection so you can't transmit a message that is beneath detection you don't think so no that's that's my semantic argument my um other argument i would disagree my other my, my other argument would be uh you well you're constantly observing every bit of information in your environment and so semantically you can't get to a subliminal message because subliminal by its definition would be below detection okay but i mean from the idea of fnords where some people see it some people don't the people that see it but don't see it it tends to have a a stronger subconscious effect so i guess the argument would be is that okay is that something we believe do you think that it's possible to mess with kids behavior and thoughts by putting stuff in oh that's all people do like it like Throughout time, that's all people have ever done. Like, have you ever read Little Red Hen? It's a, it's, it's anti-communist propaganda. I fucking love that. But it's not like it's just an obvious sort of thing. But you know, whether or not you want to say you're pro-communism or anti-communism, but let's, like let's all just the call other, it what it all is. All the animals should have helped. Totally. Like they all shouldn't have been dicks, lazy fucks. You know, it's just. But maybe the hen should have shared a little bit. Well, the hen just wanted help doing its thing. <laughs> and the hen was willing to share the whole time. So, like, the idea is that you go and you help your buddy move. They're going to buy you a six-pack. Yeah. Ma- maybe some pizza. I mean, you shouldn't even have to, like, discuss the arrangements on that, you know? Amen, dude. Yeah. 
Like, that should just be common courtesy. Yeah. But, <laughs> a lot of people are greedy, so whatever. <laughs> Man, I don't, that's anti-communist propaganda, holy cow. Yeah, um, so uh, the way I feel about that issue is that that's all people have been doing. So unless you're actually being conscious of it, you are subject to it. Um, but we're good. So is it okay to put hidden things in movies for kids? Now, I wanted to... Now, my daughter, I have a daughter who's five, and she was obsessed with a lot of these Pixar movies. I think the first one she was really obsessed with that I can remember was Cars. She friggin' loved Cars, dude. Um, and then eventually, you know, that's, a, that, that's what you would tip, stereotypically consider a boy movie, right? But eventually she grew into Frozen, which is what you'd stereotypically consider a girl movie if you're going to buy into the gender stereotype thing. My Bob, I don't really have. I'm sure we'll discuss that in all its nuances rather than ham handing it right now. She watched Frozen a bajillion times. I'm sure there's many parents here that have watched Frozen a bajillion times. Holy cow, as somebody that's into tarot, I really got the idea that there was also a lot of hidden messages in Frozen. And uh, I thought that some of it was a lot of it was about sex. But the one scene that really stands out that I want to tell the audience about that I wanted to bring up. Uh, two things, two scenes. The first one is when Anna goes out to look for her sister, Elsa, and she has to go into the woods in the cold to do it. Um, she's a princess, so she doesn't really know how to do that stuff, but she runs into... Anna runs into Kristoff in the woods. Now, this scene I'm talking about, I really implore you to go look it up and see if you see what I see, is, is they're in Kristoff's sled. She, I think she puts her feet up on the on the sleigh, and Kristoff is like, what, were you raised in a barn? And she's like, no, I was raised in a castle. And I don't know if it's right before this or right after this, but there's almost like the sound of like humping going on. It almost sounds like they're, sounds like they're fucking. I'm just going to say it. We're going to, we're going to use curse words on the show. Um, and there's like this, like he's, I think he's like spit shines his, um, his sleigh, I think. Anyway, I get the impression it almost, if you close your eyes, it almost sounds like a sex scene. And I think that's done on purpose. Maybe I'm reading a little too much into this. But the tarot symbolism is Kristoff is the hermit. He even has a lamp in the same way that the hermit has a lamp. They're even being, like, even in Aleister Crowley's card, uh, the hermit is being chased by Cerberus. And in that scene, they're chased by a bunch of dogs. Um, And it results in them having to cross over a chasm or a a void and get to the other side where they can, you know, go to the higher worlds on the the mountain and find Elsa. In her Elsa's song, like, I think she says, and I'll rise like the break of dawn, and she throws off her crown, and you see almost, like, wings appear behind her, but it's like, it's almost like a, a peacock's wings. And to me, as she's going out to greet the rising dawn, as she's... Um, proclaiming her isolation and um, her freedom from all law and Good all pun. restriction. Isolation. Isolation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good pun, right? So, <laughs> so as somebody, so basically, as I'm watching this movie, maybe I watched it too many times. I got the impression well, you had a daughter who was obsessed with it, dude. So, like, you you could couldn't help but watch it too many times. <laughs> yeah, and maybe I read a little bit, but no, watch the scene yourself. <laughs> see if you see what I see. But it, long story short, I get the impression that Elsa is very much a Luciferic hero. The, I, the, I, like the combination of the peacock and the rising like the break of dawn as she goes towards the rising sun. And she has like her own kingdom, like, you know, better to 
rule in hell and serve in heaven and all that stuff. Because that's what the song is basically about, you know. I guess I had, I it forced me to be like, are they putting Luciferian stuff in these Disney movies? Do I sound like a crazy conspirator? Well, this is how you get to creating a podcast, I guess. And if I, I guess this is where I wanted to wrap up is how did I get into magic, occultism, and spirituality? Well, if I'm perfectly honest, I got into it through Tool and the artwork of Chetzar and Alex Gray and Adam Jones and the occult imagery that was featured on stage and in their videos. The end of, I think it's, wow, I can't remember. It's been a long, that long since I listened to a tool album. Shame on me. Um, the, I think it's the end of Anima where it's, it's fight the Oed where you hear a woman saying, fight the Oed, fight the Oed, which is Enochian for the voice of God. And at the end of one of those albums, pretty sure it's Lateralis, they have the AM, the Coast to Coast AM call where Art Bell got a call in supposedly from Area 51 about how the military slash government had gotten into contact with extra dimensional beings and how they were moving the population to places that would be vulnerable to destruction so that those living would be more easily controlled. And that's like how the album ends. And you're just like, what the fuck? You know? So, like, that is what got me into all this stuff about Enochian and magic and hermeticism is just wanting to... Well, Tool brought me to some very beautiful, wonderful places. Took me to the depth of my own soul in ways that other artwork rarely ever scratches the surface of. And if I'm honest, a lot of the cultural cultural heroes that I like are Luciferic when I think of them. Doctor Who... Jack Skellington, even Luke Skywalker to a degree, they all they all speak to me and it makes me question if I've been indoctrinated to have a love of Lucifer or if I just love Lucifer or something like that. You know what I mean? Like if I'm attracted to this archetype instinctually and if we're honest, I think a lot of people are. So I guess I guess that's where we would wrap up the first episode of the whole rabbit i think um uh for the future i would really love to have some guests i would love to talk to people about anything that they're into especially if they've written a book or they're working on in film or just in the occult world in general and they have something to say or maybe they've produced a youtube video or 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 a great piece of art whoever you are if you are interested in fnords if you're interested in investigating the occult and spiritual currents in the media and in culture Reach out to us. Write us an email. Get get to us on uh, Instagram. I guess we got to plug all that stuff. Um, to begin, I'll just give you my personal email. By 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 the end of this, we should have that all set up. So we should have that all set I up. Would, I wouldn't worry too much about that right so now. Maybe we can edit that in. But for now, we'll say you can write me at my personal email, LukeMadrid at gmail and it's Luke like Luke Skywalker in Madrid, like Spain, one word, no spaces. LukeMadrid at gmail Reach what, out to me there. How's the capitalization on those words? Luke and Madrid are capitalized, but I don't really think it matters anymore when you write an email. Okay. Okay. Well, that was a uh, whole rabbit. The whole rabbit. Didn't.